You can be seated. I, uh, you don't have to stand for the reading tonight. I'm a little more scripture than I like to keep you standing up for. So, again, thank you for being here. And just uh, God's good. It's a weird time. It's strange for anybody. It's, things are so things are so different than we thought they would be in 2020. You know, we started out 2020 with you know uh, vision and fulfill, and man, January and February were pretty good. What happened in March? My goodness! I'll tell you what didn't change is God didn't change. Thank you, Jesus. And this world might be upside down, but He's still the God of it. And all I see when I see this world so crazy and us going through things and having to work our way through things, I just remember that Jesus said, in this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome this world. And let me tell you, my victory is tied up in Him. It's tied up in Him tonight, and He's the ultimate victor. And we're going to have victory because He said, the church I'm building, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Praise God. I'm thankful for the Lord, for His promises tonight, for His promises. The book of Hebrews, chapter 3, if you're following along tonight, again, thank you for being in the house of the Lord. We'll bother people to find in the scripture, Sunday our services will be as they were last Sunday at 11 o'clock. That will be for our saints that are 65 and older. It will be for those who have any immune deficiencies or any other sicknesses that would contribute to harming them if they were affected by corona. Anyone with infants, expectant mothers or small children, things like that, uh, will be able to come to the 11 o'clock service at 1230. Our second service will be for everyone else, So, and we will maintain our social distancing during these services. So uh, I know... uh, uh, Miss Christine, normally you'd, you'd have had about 20 hugs by now. Uh, <laughs> this is a hugging church and a friendly church, but we've tried to kind of keep hold people at bay to keep people from getting sick. So uh, we're looking forward to the day that the hugs can resume. Amen. <laughs> God's good. Hebrews 3 and 7. Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost said. Now, man, when the Holy Ghost is speaking, it's time to listen up. Come on now. Today... If you will hear his voice, harden not your heart as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness. When your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works 40 years. Wherefore, I was grieved with that generation and said, they do always err in their heart and they have not known my ways. So I swear in my wrath that they shall not enter into my rest. That was the Lord speaking. And then the writer of Hebrews comes back to his audience. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. When you stop believing God, you start leaving God. You hear that? When you stop believing God, you start leaving God. I want to believe him. He said, but exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin, for we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast until the end. It ain't just about how you start, it's how you finish. Thank you, Jesus. 
while it is said today, today if you will, or while it is said today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your heart as in the provocation. For some, when they had heard, did provoke. Howbeit not all that came out of Egypt by Moses, for with whom was he grieved forty years? Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcass fell in the wilderness? And to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believed not? So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. I want to just kind of preach and teach a little bit tonight on this thought, believing the impossible. And uh, Brother Nathaniel, would you go and flip the, that on that top row of switches, the last switch, so that the monitors would come on? I don't know how they didn't get turned on tonight. Everybody's like, where's the scriptures at? So... Uh, Get those up there, believing the impossible. Let's pray for the lesson tonight. Pray for your pastor. Lord, we love you. Thank you, Jesus, for your goodness and mercy. Lord, tonight, God, let us hear what the Spirit would say to the church. Let our hearts be ready and be good ground to receive the word. Lord, that we can be changed, be better, be encouraged tonight, and be ready, most of all, to meet you when you come. We ask it tonight in Jesus' name, and everyone said amen. Give the Lord another hand clap tonight. What a great God we serve. What a great God we serve tonight. Hallelujah. 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 God's good. Believing the impossible. Not believing for the impossible, but believing in the impossible. Believing, I believe there are some things that are impossible. It's true. Whether you believe it or not, it's true. There are some things that are just impossible. And we're going to talk, we're going to get, I'm not going to get ahead of myself. I want to, I want to look at this lesson right here. When this writer in Hebrews, he starts this chapter by uh, encouraging, saying, talking to the holy brethren to consider Christ Jesus, the high priest of their profession. And as he moves on through that, he warns them as he reminds them not to fall in unbelief as their fathers did in the Exodus. It's always been amazing to me how Israel could just fall back into unbelief after everything that God would do for them. And he was referring to uh, when the spies who went into the promised land came back with their report, the things that they said and how they responded after spending uh, that time spying out the land of promise. And in Numbers chapter 13 and verse 27, this is the answer when the spies all get back and now all the people want to hear, Moses wants to hear, we, we want to hear what did you see? And they told him and said, we came to the land where you sent us, and surely it flows with milk and honey. And this is the fruit of it. They brought back the grapes and the, the fruit from the land. Nevertheless, let me tell you, when God proves himself, there's never a nevertheless. You don't start backing up once you see God come through on his promise. They said, here's the grapes, here's the fruit. Truly, it is a land flowing with milk and honey, just like you said. Nevertheless, if God 
is promising you something and you watch it come to pass, don't ever back up and say, nevertheless. Don't ever change your mind on God. Because when you stop believing God, you start leaving God. And all of a sudden, these men who are sent are getting themselves and Israel in trouble. Nevertheless, despite what we have seen God do, the people be strong that dwell in the land. And the cities are walled, very great. Moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the mountains. The Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. And, and th- these people are, are, are people that are enemies to Israel. And then Caleb steals the people before Moses said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men that went up with him said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched to the children of Israel. The land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eats up the inhabitants thereof. All the people that we saw in it are men of great stature, and there we saw the giants, the the sons of Anak, which come of the giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. They, uh, the thing is, is when you read this, if they had never heard from God, if they had never heard, hey, I've got a land promised for you, then maybe they had a right to be scared. If they thought that they could do this on their own, they had a right to be afraid. But they had not... Uh, or they had forgotten the promises of God. Long before they ever set foot in the land, God had already given it to them. Not saying uh, that it will uh, be yours. He said, I've given it to you. Now, you might not be there, but it's already yours. In Exodus 3 and 8, this is uh, what uh, the Lord told Moses at the uh, burning bush. And I am come down to deliver them, Israel, out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land unto a good land and a large, unto a land flowing with milk and honey, unto the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. Everybody that the spies named, God had already said, that's the land I'm bringing you to. I'm sure that Moses did not leave that little detail out when he showed up in Egypt to tell them God's ready to bring you out, that God's ready to get you out. But Israel always had a problem remembering or believing the promises of God. When it was time for them to go out, when Moses showed up and and Pharaoh kept making it harder and harder on Israel, you know, they were mad at Moses. They were upset with Moses. When they got to the Red Sea, uh, they were mad at Moses uh, because, Moses, you brought us out here to kill us here. Instead of we could have just died in Egypt, we could have stayed in Egypt. But if they remembered anything about Abraham, they would have to remember that Abraham, who was their father, had been told by God that your people are going to serve Egypt for 400 years, and then I'm going to bring them out. How they could not, somebody wasn't counting. Hey, you know what? It just happens to be 400 years. 
I wonder if God's really sent somebody to deliver us. Well, let's see. Uh, there's water turning into blood. There's a plague of frogs, a plague of lice, there's a plague of flies. Uh, the firstborn just died. God just opened up the middle of the Red Sea and let us walk across. Wonder if that's God. We've got to learn to believe what God said, and we can't forget what God said just because things get shaky. We cannot let what we see with our eyes, with our temporary eyes, with our vision, forget what the eternal Word of God says. When God opens His mouth and utters a promise, honey, it's going to come to pass. And the problem that Israel had was that they kept forgetting the promises of God. And he didn't just tell them, because, well, you know, tell me something once, I might forget it. Well, he didn't just tell them once. Because after Exodus 3 and 8, uh, after he got a little, little burnt out on them, he still, even though he's upset with them, in Exodus 33, he tells them this. Let me get there. In Exodus 33, uh, now God was upset with the people because they had made a calf to worship while Moses was up in the mountain. But the Lord says unto Moses, depart and go hence, you and the people which you have brought up out of the land of Egypt to the land I swear unto Abraham, to Isaac and Jacob. I've already promised this land uh, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, Under thy seed will I give it, and I will send an angel before thee, and I will drive out. I will drive out, not leave them there. I will drive out the Canaanite, the Amorite, the Hittite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, the Jebusite, unto a land flowing with milk and honey, so he tells him again, I've got a land for you, a land with milk and honey. And then he named all those uh, ites that he was going to drive out. And how was it that the spies could remember? Well, it is milk and honey, but we don't believe God can handle the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Jebusites, all these other ites. How, how is it that they could believe? They're looking at the evidence of the promise why can they not believe that God will fulfill the other half? Because God's not going to bring you to a land of milk and honey to watch you die by your enemy's hand. And that's what Israel could not see, and that's why God was upset with them, and that's why he swear they will not enter into this land because they believed not. It was, and he, he said the same thing again in, in uh, chapter 34 and verse 11, that he was going to drive out all these people and get rid of them. Why could they not remember the promises? Honey, when you start forgetting the promises of God, there's a lot of truth that goes unrealized in your life. And he's, he's got these people that he has delivered out of Egypt, fed them in the wilderness, took them through the Red Sea, protected them, watched over them, gave them, hey, you know what? We're thirsting to death. They ain't a stream. They ain't a river. They ain't a lake. Ain't nothing here but a rock. So Moses smites the rock, and here comes the water. God took care of them time and time again, and they kept forgetting the promises. No matter how God moved, no matter how he delivered, no matter how he provided, they always forgot the promises of God. And God was so fed up with them, he said, how long will it be before they believe me? 
How many times do I have to come through before they believe me? How many times am I going to have to uh, deliver them, feed them, take care of them, prove myself over and over again before they believe me? And so he said, this is the, the punishment right here. And if you won't believe me, none of you are going to enter into this land. But your carcass will fall in the wilderness. You know what they tried to do? They tried to go in anyway. After they heard how God was upset with them, it said, okay, okay, hey, we'll go, we'll go. And Moses said, now are you going to go against God's word again? He's already told you he's not going to go with you. But they went in and tried to take the land, and the Amalekites came down and, and defeated them. You can't go. But I thought the land was given. It was. But if you don't believe the promise, you don't receive the promise. And when they didn't believe the promise, the promise was, was removed from them. It was going to come to somebody. He said, after 40 years, all these kids, all your children that you were worried about dying in that land, they're going to inherit what you wouldn't go to. We've got to believe God. We've got to believe the impossible. We've got to believe, not for the impossible, but believe the impossible. And so when we go back, after we read all this history, now we kind of understand why this writer is writing to the Hebrews. And he, this is his brethren. He's like, listen, I don't want to see us now that we have come to Christ and that he's called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. I don't want to see us miss the promises because of unbelief. I don't want to see us miss uh, what God has said. We've got to believe what God said. 2 Corinthians 1 and 20 says, For all the promises of God in him, which is in Christ, are yea, and in him, amen, unto the glory of God by us. God don't make promises that he don't keep. And he's, but he was warning. I'm telling you, this is, you said, well, I'd never have to worry about that. Listen, it wouldn't be written to us if it wasn't for us to be reminded. Don't uh, get your heart caught up in unbelief. Don't let what you see. Hey, these guys, they saw, they walked through the Red Sea. Could you imagine what it was like with water on both sides, dry ground under your feet, and you're just, God just opened up the sea. He opened the sea. He could have just killed Pharaoh and not done anything. But instead, let's do it in a big, grand fashion and covered them up in the water behind them. He said, You'll, he said you won't see these Egyptians anymore after today. Whoosh. Can you imagine singing that song with Moses on the other side of that just like turn around, look back, chariots are gone, horses are gone, Pharaoh's gone, army's gone, nobody here to kill me. Why? Because God came through. And God has done all this. And now here I am. Moses, you remember what Moses said, that God was bringing us to a land of milk and honey? It truly is a land of milk and honey, just like you said. Nevertheless, how is there a nevertheless in your mouth? If God brought you to that land and quit... Oh, we get so caught up with the, the milk and honey, we forget about it. He said, I'll deliver you. I'll drive out. I'll get them out. 
because well, I, don't want, I don't want to have to fight nobody. I don't want no battles. I don't want no confrontation. Israel just wanted to be spoon-fed. They just wanted, hey, hey Lord, just uh, send me some room service. Uh, just, just let it rain bread from heaven. Just let it rain quail from heaven. Just bring water out of a rock. But I, I don't want to have to do nothing. Giants ain't bigger than God. They ain't no other nations bigger than God. If he said I'll drive them out, he'll drive them out because he can do that. Because God can make that happen. And so he said, we see now, after we read their history, that they could not enter in because of unbelief. It was not the Amalekites or the Jebusites or the children of Anak that kept them out of the promised land. It was their own stinking self. They could not get past their flesh. They could not get past their unbelief. And now, no matter how true it was that God had laid up this, that truth went unrealized. It was still the truth. It was still there. It didn't disappear. Isn't that something? That land, it didn't disappear. The Jordan River didn't disappear. That milk and honey, it didn't go nowhere. They just would never taste it. They would just never realize it. That truth went unrealized because of their unbelief. And this man was warning us, said, don't you get caught up in having an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Because when you stop believing, you start leaving. I don't want to walk away from God. We can deceive ourselves thinking, well, if I've got the milk and honey, I've got it. No, you, there's going to be more than just the milk and honey. There's going to be some driving out. There's going to be some things happening. God, God's not going to give you half the promise. He's going to give you all the promise. He didn't want them to just have the milk and honey. He said, I'm going to get these things out of here that will hurt you in your land of promise. I'll drive them out. I don't believe you can do it, God. That's what they were saying. Caleb and Joshua tearing their clothes, screaming, we can do this. Can you imagine how ill Caleb and Joshua were for 40 years? You probably couldn't even talk to them. Hey, Joshua, you like doing talk to me. <laughs> for how many years we've been walking because you... Yeah. I imagine Caleb and Joshua just live by themselves. Don't let me, y'all don't talk no more. Shut your mouth. Every time y'all open your mouth, we lose stuff. Every time you open your mouth, we, we, we have to walk a little farther. You just, well, you think about not four, 40 more days, not 40 weeks, 40 more years, 40 years of wandering and waiting, wandering and waiting, waiting because Joshua and Caleb, they didn't just believe uh, in the impossible or for the impossible. They believed the impossible. And that's what the writer in Hebrews tells them in, in uh, Hebrews 6. He, he kind of gives a little explanation of what God was trying to do for them in Hebrews 6 and 17 and 18. He said, God, who was willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of the promise, the heirs of promise, that was Israel. Moses, Joshua, Caleb, all of Israel. He said, I want to show these heirs 
the immutability of my counsel. So I confirmed it by an oath that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie. That's why I told you I believe in the impossible. It is impossible for God to lie. We have got to believe God in spite of what we see. We must believe that God is faithful and that his promises are yea and amen. And so to show the heirs that everything's true, he let them see the evidence, a land that flows with milk and honey. And he said, once he spoke that I will drive them out, it became truth. You know why? It's truth why it's impossible for God to lie. Because when he speaks, that's his word. And the Bible says his word is truth. And so when he says, I am the healer of all your diseases, there's nothing that can change that. It can't change it. It, 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 it can't stop. When he said, once he said, I will drive them out, that promise is out there. God will not fail to do that but he will not do it for those who don't believe. That's why I said we've got to believe in the impossible. And the impossible is this, that God cannot lie. So if I'm going to, listen, anything, we say, well, you know, pastor says that with men, things are impossible. With God, all things are possible. The only reason that possible things are possible is because of the impossible. When you see something impossible, happened and it became possible. Well, it's possible for God to heal. You know why? Because it's impossible for him to lie. It all comes back to that. I know there's some things that are impossible. It is impossible for the unrighteous to inherit the kingdom of God. It can't happen. It's impossible for you and I to serve two masters. It's, it, it can't happen. There's things that are impossible, but they're only uh, impossible. They go back to this impossibility that God cannot lie. It's impossible for God to lie. We say, I believe all things are possible. That's good. But you believe it's possible because of the impossible, that God cannot lie. It's his word. The Bible says we live by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. That means uh, I exist, I live because of the impossible. The possible, listen, is made possible by the impossible that God cannot lie. God cannot lie. He has got so much, listen, There's so much power in his word that once he opens his mouth, it just becomes. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. In creation, you read the first chapter of Genesis, how many times it says, and God said, and God said, and God said. And every time God said, something happened. Every time that God spoke, it came to pass. And that's why God cannot lie, because when God speaks it, it becomes a truth. It exists. It's there. When God said, I will bring you, I will bring you into a land that flows with milk and honey. Why could they not believe what God would do? And we've got to start believing in the impossible, not for the impossible, because all things become possible with God. But you've got to believe in the impossible to see the possibilities. If you're ever going to see anybody healed, you're going to believe God's word that they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. That's God's word. When he spoke that, it became a truth. And you can't do anything against the truth but for it. And so 
I want to make sure that I start believing in the impossible. God cannot lie. It is impossible for him to do it. When he said, I'll drive them out, it became truth. But like I said, it went unrealized. It was a truth unrealized by Israel because they could not or would not believe it. And they were departing from the living God. I'll say it again. When you stop believing God, you start leaving God. I want to make sure I keep believing. In Acts chapter 2, Peter is preaching his message and he gets to a section where David is uh, prophesying about the Lord, about Jesus. And, And he said that it was not possible that death could hold him. He said it was not possible uh, for him to be holding of death, for the pains of death. And uh, he said, it can't happen. It's not possible. You know why? Because of the impossible. Because once God spoke that word through David, it became truth. There was no way for Jesus to stay in that ground because he said, you will not suffer your Holy One to see corruption. You will not leave my soul in hell and you will not suffer your Holy One to see corruption. Once God spoke that word, and they killed him and put him in the ground, there was no way. They couldn't chain him into that tomb. They could not have done, they could have burnt his body till there was nothing left. He was still coming back because uh, God had already spoke. And so he took, the only reason it was not possible, it was because of the impossible. God cannot lie. When God said, I won't leave him there, he came out. That's why Jesus could say, destroy this temple in three days, I'll raise it up. (laughs) Because it's going to happen. Because it's already been spoken and Jesus believed the things that were written of him. God's word is eternal. His word is truth. Oh, I'm thinking, this is what Isaiah said about about the word of the Lord. In Isaiah, I, I don't know if I gave you this, sis, or not. Isaiah 55, verses 10 and 11. The Lord said, For as the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven, and it does not return, but it waters the earth and makes it bring forth and bud, that it may give, give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. He said, rain and snow comes down and accomplishes, does a job. When it falls, it's going to do what it was designed to do. That's what it does. Things are going to get wet. Things are going to get watered. Things are going to grow. Things are going to change. Things are going to be different. There's as, as a chain reaction happening after this rain and snow comes down. So shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void but it shall accomplish that which I please and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. When God speaks, it will accomplish. It will not return void. It is impossible for God to lie and he is always talking. We got all this, his word right here. And none of it's false. Anybody says, well, this word, mm -mm." If you don't believe in the infallibility of this word, then, then hey, don't pick you one or two scriptures you believe in. If you say, well, I, I, believe, in, well, I believe in Acts 2.38, but I don't believe in you know, uh, Genesis and that ark stuff, man, that's kind of out there. Hey, if you can't believe the ark, then you can't believe Acts 2.38. 
Don't, don't, even, don't even try. You can't cherry pick the Word of God. You can't decide which one's good. It's all His Word. We live by every word that proceeds out of His mouth. Thank God it was written down. And I'm glad that He still speaks. And you know what? If He speaks to you, if God speaks to you, two things, one of two things is going to happen. You're either going to believe it and see the fulfilling, or you're not going to believe it, and you're going to be like Israel, never entering in to what God's got for you because of your unbelief. I don't want to not believe God. His word will do. It's true. His word is more true and more real than any situation or obstacle you'll ever see. When they saw the sons of Anak, hey, I don't, I've never seen a nine-foot-tall guy. They said there was giants nine, ten feet tall. I've never seen anybody that tall. I would not know what to do if I went into a place that was supposed to be mine and a guy about ten foot tall said, what are you doing here? Just saying hey to you. <laughs> Enjoy it. I'm, I'm out of here. Ten foot tall. But if God said, you're going to have that place as a ten foot tall guy in there, but I'm going to get rid of him. Then I would be like, you got to go. Oh, yeah. yeah. What, what Goliath, Goliath thought, mm-hmm, am I a dog? You send this little kid out to fight against me? You gonna, is that that's how it's going to go? But see, the Lord have already, already let it be known. This guy's got to go. David's going to be king. David's got some things to do. David's going to take care of this. And Goliath found himself on the wrong end of a rock that day, and, and his head left his body, and Goliath didn't kill nobody else. But David went on to be king just like God said he would. God's going to be faithful. God's going to be true. God's going to do what he said he will do. His word is more real than any situation or obstacle. It's more real than any disease. It's more real. Yeah, it's more real than any sickness, disease, virus, anything. It's more real. He said, by his stripes we are healed. We lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. The prayer of faith shall save the sick. I believe in healing. He said there is a gift of the Spirit, a gift of healing. I believe God's Word. I want to practice what I believe. I, I believe the impossible. When God said that, it, it, it's impossible for God to lie. It's got to happen. You know, Abraham and Sarah were told from the time they left Er, that I'm going to make a great nation out of you, Abraham, and, and Sarah's going to bear a child, and y'all, y'all going to have, you know, like the multitude of the sand, the stars. It's going to be, you can't even number it. It's, that's how your seed's going to be. And they go, 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 and there's no kid yet. They go to Haran, and they live there, and after living, I guess, been in Haran about 11 years, they decided well, why don't we just work on this? And Sarah says, here's Hagar, Abraham. Let's see what happens. Well, they have a kid, Ishmael. They tried to circumvent God, figure, well, you know, we'll, we'll figure this out. And so they have a son, but it's not the son that God promised. And we can stop believing in God and come up with a plan of our own. And it might even produce something similar 
but it still won't be what God wanted. It won't be as good as what God wanted. It won't accomplish what God wanted to accomplish because God said, Sarah is going to have a child. Not her handmaid. But you know that even after this, after Ishmael's born and Ishmael's grown a little bit and, and God comes back to Abraham and tells him again, Sarah's going to have a son. And you know what Abraham does? God let Ishmael live before you. He pleads on behalf of Ishmael. And he's like, no, Sarah's going to have a child. That's going to be the child of promise. I heard you about Ishmael. I'm going to take care of him. But Ishmael, you are not going to substitute what you want for what I want. God's going to do what he's going to do. If God says it, then believe it. It doesn't matter what, you know, Abraham was old, Sarah was old, and it seemed impossible, but it came to pass anyway. God made it happen because it is impossible for God to lie. I think Abraham, he was 75 or so when he left Haran. It was 11 years later, so he was around 88 when Ishmael was born. It was another 12 years before Isaac comes on the scene. 12 more years to wait. Maybe it was one year for each tribe. I don't know. Maybe God was showing him something. But, but I do know that 12 more years he had to wait for Sarah to have a child. But it still happened just like he said. Paul wrote this in one place, that we suffer reproach because of the living God. And he said, the living God is the Savior to all men. You believe that? I do. I believe that God is the Savior to all men. But will everybody be saved? Nobody, nobody ever wants to answer that. The fact is, everybody won't be saved. It's not God's will that any perish, but some will. But he said, the living God is the Savior of all men, especially to them that believe. You see, he's the Savior of all men, but you only benefit from it if you believe. If you don't believe in God, does it change who he is? No, he's still the King of kings and Lord of lords, whether you believe it or not. Whether you ever bow down and confess it, one day you will because every knee shall bow and tongue shall confess. And so there will be people who, we, we read it in the scripture, there's some that he'll say, depart from me, I never knew you. So hey, we know that that's coming. So, but he's still the Savior to all men because he died for all men. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He, he, he died and shed his blood for everybody. But it just won't benefit everybody. Even the writer in Hebrews said the same gospel that was, you know, he said this gospel was preached to us as well as to them. It just did not benefit them or profit them because it wasn't mixed with faith. If the gospel is preached to you but you don't believe it, it don't benefit you. It hasn't lost any power. It just don't benefit you because you didn't believe it. We've got to believe the impossible. It's impossible for God to lie. So that means I've got to believe every word that comes out of his mouth. If I say I live by his word, but I don't believe his word, how does that work? Praise God. I'm not sure where I'm at on my time, but I'm getting ready to finish the last portion of Scripture here. You've got to just trust God, believe God. Don't let that evil heart of unbelief get in you. 
Psalm 62 in verses 1 and 2 says, Truly my soul waiteth upon God. From him cometh my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense, and I shall not be greatly moved. And then down to verse 5, My soul wait thou only upon God, for my expectation is from him. What do you expect God to do for the church in this day? When the world is upside down and people are sick and they're, they're trying to stop us from worshiping, trying to close the doors, trying to, you know, some places they want them to stop singing. They, they, you know, they get to a point where you can only have 10 people in service. Some places they won't let you even have service. I mean, what do you think God's going to do? What's our expectation? I expect God to be God. Do you still believe that the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church? Yeah. When, when there's sickness running rampant everywhere, do you still believe that he's a healer and that he can protect us and that he can keep us? Do you still believe that? It doesn't mean that people won't get sick, but if they do, do you believe he can heal them and deliver them and keep them? Yeah, it, it happens. People got sick in the scripture. That's a, they, they did. They got sick, but they got healed too. People died but they were resurrected from the dead. I, I, I don't know if God still does that. Why? why, why does he, God not still raise the dead? I hear and see reports from missionaries and stuff all the time that, that, that God's raising people from the dead. Brother Stone King will uh, answer you. He'll tell you that God raises people from the dead. Brother Jeff Arnold will tell you God raises people from the dead. He died at a conference <laughs> right there. Brother Court Chavis was there when it happened. And uh, God brought him back. So, I mean, you know, I, I, we know people personally that have died and God brought them back. And so uh, he does that thing. But here's the thing. Where's your expectation? That word, you know, you know sometimes I, people, you know, I, people tell me this. Well, I don't have expectations. That way I don't get let down. That is sad. I don't know. Well, let me tell you, if you put your expectations in, in men, you might get let down. If you put expectations even in your own flesh, you might get let down. But you will never get let down by God. God will never let you down. You may not understand what he's doing sometimes, but God is always doing the better miracle. When, when Mary and Martha ran out and said, if you'd have been here, our brother hadn't died, it was almost like they were saying, you kind of let us down because we know you knew he was sick. You knew he was sick, but you waited around a couple of days before you showed up, and now he's dead. He said, well, didn't I say if you believe, you'll see the glory of God? Well, what, how does that do? what does that mean now, Lord? He's been dead four days. Lazarus, come forth. Check it out. Yeah, look at there. What about that? Where is your expectation at with God? See, I, my expectation is in God. I don't expect to be let down. Some trust in chariots, some in horses. But the Bible says a horse is a vain thing for safety. But then he says, but we will remember the name of our Lord. I want to keep trusting in God. My expectation is in God. And so when I come into church, I have high expectations. When I wake up every day, I can have high expectations that God is going to do something. When I pray for a healing, I can have high expectation because it's impossible for God to lie. 
And somehow we're going to get it one day. We're going to figure it out where Jesus said, if you ask this in my name, I will do it. We're going to see it happen. We're going to ask and it's going to be given. We're going to knock. It's going to be open. We're going to seek and we're going to find. Because Jesus said, everyone that asks receiveth. Everyone that knocks is open and everybody that seeks, they find. He said, that's what happens. And so my expectation is from him. That word expectation means hope or the thing that I live for. Well, who you live for today? I live for him. Uh, the life that I live, as Paul said, that I live in this flesh, I live it by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This, that's why I live my life. He said, he only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. And God is my salvation and my glory, the rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. Trust in him at all times, ye people. Pour out your heart before him, for God is a refuge for us. Selah, or pause, and consider this. Take a moment and just think about this. God is your refuge. God is still on the throne. God is still in control, no matter what this world is doing. They can, they can go cashless. Hey, it, it, it's going to happen. God's still on the throne. Yeah, they, they can... They can uh, create another virus, God's still on the throne. It doesn't matter. They, uh, what, whatever happens, this world can go to war and God is still on the throne. There's nothing happening that God's not in control of. I believe the impossible. And the impossible is that God cannot lie. So, honey, you can come on to the music tonight. If I could get somebody when we go to the altar call can go ahead and cut the video off for us. But... Um, we need to start expecting God to be God. God is not a liar. God's not a man. The Bible says that you know, God be true and all men be a liar, but God, God's not a man. He's, he's not a liar. God's faithful. God is true to his word. God is a healer, a savior, a deliverer, a provider, a comforter. Whatever you need him for, that's what God is. Don't let your unbelief keep you from having the promises of God. I believe, I believe in God, okay. But you gotta get a little past that. The Bible says the devils also believe and tremble. I told somebody the other night, I said this, we were talking about this, about uh, in a marriage, a man and woman will, you know, on their wedding day, they're going to speak vows one to another. And, and, you know, it's always similar. They change a little bit, but the gist of it is for better or worse, for richer or poor, in sickness and in health, you know, things like that, till death do we part. And I said, now here's what happens. I said, all of a sudden you see years down the road maybe, you see a marriage kind of shaky and rocky and things going on. And, and in counseling I'll find some that, you know, well, they ought to just, you know, they act like I don't, but they ought to not just know because they're my wife or they ought to just know because they're my husband. And, and what they've done is they, they, they've trusted in the vow that the vow was just supposed to do all the work. But when you trust in the vow, that don't mean you keep the vow. It's just like, I trust his word. But the Lord said, I don't need you to just trust in it. I need you to keep it. If you love me, keep my commandment. And so I don't, I don't want to, you know,
deceive myself because I trust his word. I don't know why nothing's happening. Are you keeping the word, though? I, I, trust, I, I trust that God's real. Yeah, but do you believe? Hey, Israel knew God was real. You think there was a single Israelite that did not know that God was real, and yet a whole generation died in the wilderness. So I, I don't want to just know his word. I don't want to just say I trust in his word. I want to keep his word. I don't want to fall into a false sense of security. Thinking, well, yeah, it's just, and let me tell you, some of y'all is going to be married and some of y'all is married already. You know, you can't just on your wedding day say, oh, I love you. I'll love you forever. And then never say it again. Never, never be sweet again, never flirt again, never take care of them again. Just, well, I, you know, we're married now, we're under contract. <laughs> you know, it's going to be a bumpy road. You better, you, you got to keep those vows. I will love you. I will cherish you. I will honor you. I will take care of you. Sickness, health, better or worse, richer or poor. You that's what you got to do. And that's what you got to do in this word. You got to believe that God cannot lie. And so when things start happening, God can't lie. Oh, look at the way the world's coming against the church. Yeah, but God said, the gates of hell should not prevail. So I'm just going to believe the impossible. It's impossible for God to lie. We're going to be standing. We're going to make it. We're coming through. We're going to go. He went away to prepare a place that where he is, I can be also. I believe that. That's why I said he started out that conversation with let not your heart be troubled and neither let it be afraid. If you believe in me, believe God. So he's like, before you get shaky, get your belief back and trust me, I'm going to take care of you. Let's stand together tonight and if you want to come and find a place or you, we've got wide places between the seats now you can pray at your seat. But if you'd like to come down to the altar and pray tonight, just come and just thank the Lord for his goodness and mercy. Come let the Lord know I believe in you. I trust you. I trust your word. Come offer up your prayers to the Lord tonight. Thank you, Jesus.
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. I want to remind you, as you're praying this week, please remember Brother Paul Vaughn and be praying for that situation. Why, how I would love to see God do a miracle. Praise God. I want to see it happen. You know, he, he's in bad shape, but he's not as in bad a shape as some we have known that God brought back and they're alive today. So I know that God's still a healer. I know his word's true. Let's, let's be a people and let's bind together and agree on that, that God bring a healing to that family. How about it? Let's believe the Lord. Amen. Thank you for being here tonight. Don't forget Sunday at 11 o'clock for our, uh, our 65 and older, anyone with medical conditions, expectant mothers, people with small children, things of that nature. 11 o'clock, be here for that. Or if you have kids in Sunday school, be here for that because the Sunday school classes will start back on Sunday. And then uh, 12.30 for the rest of us, and we're going to have a great time in the Lord. God bless you. You can be dismissed in Jesus' name.